Welcome everyone to Investing with IBD podcast, sponsored this week by Direction. I'm Justin Nielsen, your host, and it's Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. And I'm delighted to say that we have not one, but two O'Neill portfolio managers on the show today. O'Neill Global Advisors, a portfolio manager, Arusha Pires, is joining me as always. He is the Gilligan to my skipper and uh, with me every week. But we also have this week, we might as well stick with that Gilligan theme and call him the professor. It's Charles Harris returning to the show. Uh, Charles Harris, welcome. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, and I, I, I should have just mentioned that, you know, Charles Harris and I, we sat together probably 21 years ago. Um, you know, we, we shared a kind of space, which was a lot of fun for me to see him in action after he had had a phenomenal 1999. I got to see him trading in 20, uh, I mean, 2000. Um, and uh, it was just a real, real pleasure to kind of learn from, you know, someone who just had such a, such a fine gauge on what was going on in the market and uh, just a really phenomenal performance too. So year Thanks, after Justin. year. Yeah. So Those are fun times. We shared a cubicle together. Yeah. Right, right outside, outside of Bill of... O'Neill's office. And exactly. then of course, uh, Charles That's moved so cool. into Bill's office and uh, with Mike Webster. And uh, those were some fun times too. Uh, yeah. Nothing, nothing like getting Bill to giggle a little bit. Uh, <laughs> what did they do with you? Do you stay outside the office still at that time? Yeah. yeah I got to watch them laugh. It was, it was cool. <laughs> I would just be on the window kind of uh, <laughs> looking in like, wow it looks fun in there you know they let me inside every now and then kind of like you know when you let the dog in when it's raining outside um it was nice uh so well on today's show we're going to go ahead and get into a little bit of what uh what charles calls flexibility you know and this is not just for your workout style this is um being flexible in the market uh he uses a lot of precedent so he'll talk uh, about being flexible with that when the precedent isn't working um and you know with the market itself. Uh, and as always, we're also going to talk about the market before that and a few stocks at the end of the show that are on Charles' radar. So let's get right into it and take a look at the NASDAQ composite, because really, this has been a phenomenal run since our October 14th follow-through day. Uh, this is the eighth consecutive gain on the NASDAQ composite. So now the question is, is it too much? Is it extended? Um, you know, What do you think, Charles? Yeah, so it has been a phenomenal run uh, since we hit the lows in uh, early October. And it does feel like it's getting a bit excessive just because, you know, I'm feeling in all of my accounts, so, you know, firm mm -hmm. accounts, personal accounts. I mean, they're all at all time highs. And it, it does feel like I might be making uh, like too much. You know, sometimes you're like, <laughs> you're like, am I, you know, is like you never want to, um, kind of confuse genius with just a strong market. Right. So, you know, you start to think like, oh my God, I'm really good at this, but really we're just in a great environment and our types of stocks are working really well. You know, the, the O'Neill type, kind of the growthy stocks have been working. And um, so I'm a little nervous just because, you know, it's been pretty much up day after day after day, but uh, we're really just reversing a really bad September. So, you know, we really haven't made that much progress from the highs that we hit in, in late August. So, um, so I'm still really constructive. I think that sentiment is improving, but it's not nearly at excessively bullish levels. So I think people have been very kind of reticent to get on board. And, um, and so I think eventually the market is gonna pull any, everybody in. And then once that happens, things will truly be overbought and, and we're gonna likely, you know, have some type of, um, you know, pullback or correction, but 
you know, we're in a seasonally really strong period coming off of a, you know, a seasonally weak period in, in you know, September, early October. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trading, you know, pretty aggressively, but I'm, I'm not, I am selling into strength, you know, which is what I do, looking to get back into some things on weakness. And I'm just, you know, taking gains as they come to me. Uh, I'm trying to not be too aggressive on my selling because I do have a tendency to sell too early. And it is hard to reposition in if, if you're in a really strong market, things will tend to go much further than you thought. So I'm, I'm really trying to um, kind of pace myself, but I am taking advantage of some of the strength and raising some cash. And so I'm on margin, but I'm not aggressively on margin. I mean, I have plenty of money to deploy um, when we do get those opportunities. And, and I have done some of that in the, in the last few days in some, in some of the sectors that are really haven't been participating. Charles, do you, do you think that there might be a shift in now for most of the year, it, it was a, a pretty fierce rotation and a lot of the commodity stocks, a lot of the real economy stocks were doing well. Uh, do you think that maybe there's a shift back to more of the technology related growthy stocks that, you know, those are kind of more are more classic O'Neill stocks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our I, I think our types of stocks have been in favor now for the past, um, re- really, even, even um, I think starting in like the July, August time period, there was a lot of strength in, in those sectors. And <clears throat> I was able to kind of get into the NVIDIAs and the AMDs and the CrowdStrikes and those types of stocks um, back. And I, I think it was in the July time period. Um, and I think those stocks have, pretty much been working ever since. Um, And then you've had some of the kind of more reopening stocks, um, industrial stocks, you know, they they seem to come on and then they come off quickly. So I have actually, because those stocks have been coming off, I actually have been deploying some of my kind of, you know, winnings into some of those sectors that are down because um, that's just what I do. And, and mm-hmm. hopefully they'll, they'll hold it, you know, some of the levels that I've pinpointed and, and start to rebound. But I, th- I think usually when you're in a, you know, the market's been strong, all the indices are at new highs. And I would expect there to be um, kind of some broad participation, not just amongst the growthier types of sectors that we specialize in, but kind of across the board. And I, th- I think you're starting to see that now also in the, stocks that are benefiting from, uh, you know, reopening and leisure. You know, we saw Lyft had a really good report and, and was up a lot today. Uh, Marriott at some point today was, um, I think, moving into new highs. Uh, Airbnb looks like it's setting up. Um, so I think that, um, I think there's going to be lots of areas where you can potentially make some money. So a lot of times, Charles, you take this contrarian view. I mean, you were on IBD Live at a point where a lot of us were, you know, talking about how nervous we were and stuff like that. And it was almost like you were making a tally on your, 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 uh, 
clipboard saying, oh, look at how much bearishness there is, how much nervousness there is. And you were kind of taking the other side. You were saying, okay, this is, this is making me more bullish, how nervous people are. Uh, and of course, you know, we, we shortly after that turned around. And uh, now that we're seeing the strength, you're kind of looking at these areas where you might be getting into some things that are out of favor. So how do you distinguish between the, the stocks that you know, are out of favor and it's just they're waiting their turn versus they're out of favor because they're laggard stocks and ones that you should be avoiding, the relative strength uh, is, is worse and uh, they're out of favor for a reason. How do you, how do you make that determination? Yeah, that's a great question, Justin. It's not easy. And I, I don't know that I, I always do it particularly well, but <clears throat> some of the, so, so first of all, going back to like last time I was on when, um, when I was kind of taking that contrary perspective, there really was a lot of bearishness, yeah. um, you know, and, and there were so many kind of secondary indicators um, that, that were proving that. Um, <clears throat> sentiment has improved since then, but again, that's not nearly at excessive levels. But I don't, weakness in a growth stock um, is not necessarily something to be bought if it's breaking down through support levels mm -hmm. and looks like it's rolling over. But some of the cyclical stocks, uh, industrial stocks, energy stocks, they don't trade, in, in my experience, like growth stocks. Right. They're much more difficult to trade. They move up a lot. They crash. They break support levels. They base. They come back. So I don't treat them the same way as I would treat a growth stock in a way. And it, just from my experience, they've always been harder to trade. Um, so, uh, so, and lots of times, you know, precedents can come in handy. Um, but like, for example, uh, do you want to mention a couple of things that I've been doing? Sure. Okay. So like- Let's get to it. So, um, I've been over the past couple of days, I've been starting to build a position in Cleveland Cliffs. Mm -hmm. So um, so I had a, a great earnings report. Um, basically came right up to the to the the high, I think to the penny. And then it's come off about wow. uh, 15, 16% and is sitting right on the 50-day moving average. So it does seem like the steel stocks are starting to firm up. Um, again, you can see kind of how, in a way, how ugly the chart is. I mean, in a sense, it's been in a primary uptrend, but it doesn't hold at the 50-day. It keeps breaking below, right. then going right. to new highs. And I mean, that's just the pattern. And that, that is what you're typically going to see in these types of stocks. They're not like the beautiful, nice little O'Neill growth stocks that hold at the 50-day line you know, sometimes the entire way up to the ultimate peak. Um, these are harder to trade. So um, I'm not buying them on strength. So right. if anything, I'm selling them on strength. So I'm taking this opportunity to kind of inch into something like this. Um, the, the vast majority of my portfolio is in the O'Neill type stocks, growth right. stocks. But I am building positions in some of these more cyclical stocks that I think, I think if the market's going to continue to move up, I, again, I, as I mentioned, I think there's going to be broader participation. And so I, I kind of like this. It, the Cleveland, 
you know, kind of came right up off the bottom, uh, moved up very sharply on huge volume, pulled back on relatively lower volume. It's down at a support level, it's off 15, 16%. So it seems like a low risk entry point to me. So, you know, that's an example uh, of something that I'm, I'm doing, kind of moving away from just the growth. I mean, you know, sometimes I get nervous and my entire portfolio is all in right. one sector. Yeah. Um, you're diversifying in a way. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, so Charles, so when, when you're starting to build your position in Cleveland Cliffs here, were, were you starting uh, yesterday on November 2nd or was it November 1st? You started buying a little bit just to get on your radar. Yeah. How, how do you kind of, and I think that's always kind of the question that everyone <laughs> has, like, you know, how does Charles start to, to buy these things as they're pulling back? Because obviously November 1st, it was looking really scary and and it's especially for people who have been studying the system that's a place where you're almost trained not to buy because it's almost that trying to catch a falling knife yeah exactly so i i've talked about this in in some workshops on on how i buy pullbacks or, or different methods of buying pullbacks i am not afraid to buy something that does look like it's a, a falling knife but I have learned to temper my enthusiasm because my timing is typically pretty bad. So I, I believe my first buy was, I'd have to go check, but um, I think my first buy was three days ago. Okay. Um, so yeah. Which is November 1st. And, yeah. but, I, I, but I bought it small. Okay. So, right. so it's kind of a reverse pyramid type thing with the anticipation that it was gonna come into the 21 day and probably the 50 day. Mm-hmm. So I think I got it, I put it basically, I put it in my portfolio on that day. Again, very small, I'd have to check, but it, it was, if I even bought it on that day, it would have been small. But the day after I bought it in, in much more quantity and today I continue to add to it. Okay. So now let's talk a little bit about risk management. <clears throat> and, and by the way, I'm down on this. I'm down on the position. Right. I mean, I, right. Mm-hmm. I, 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 but that's that something you're... that you're kind of used to, uh, and you know, sometimes being down a little bit before that turn happens, uh, because a lot of times it seems like you really do have a line in the sand of this is where I feel like it should come down to, and you might be buying a little bit early, you know, but you're still expecting it to come down to that level uh, yeah. in, in my experience of watching you. Now, what about what, at what point do you say, you know what, Cleveland Cliffs, this is, this is now looking, looking wrong. Is it, if it doesn't hold a 50 day moving average line, yeah. how much room do you give it? Is it one of those things where intraday, if it punctures it, um, do you give it until the end of the day or the end of the week to see if it can get back yeah. above that line? What do you do? I'm a little bit slower than I, I mean, I've listened to some of your guests on IBD live who are very precise and super disciplined. And I think it's probably the way to go, to be honest. I don't almost, I really almost want to discourage people from being like me. Being like I'm you. A little, I mean, I'm a little looser and sometimes yeah. things get away from me and I'm not as well. It speaks to that flexibility. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it goes both ways. If you're going to be super precise and tight, you're going to get shaken out yeah. a much higher percentage, but you're going to lose less on those mm-hmm. times when things actually do break open or get much worse. So I, I think you kind of can't have it both ways. I, um, so I just checked actually. So I'm, I'm down 1.9% on this position. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a small loss at, at the moment. 
And again, this is a relatively small position in my portfolio, which is dominated by you know, stocks like Tesla and things that have really been working. So basically, I, I almost feel that I have so much cushion for the year because I'm up a lot that I can give these a little bit more room. But to answer your question, like where do you draw the line? Um, it should hold a 50 day at this point. I mean, it, today was some supporting action uh, on a price basis. Um, if it were to close below today's low, um, I, I'd probably reconsider. But again, it's not a huge position. I'm not down a lot on it. So I, I'm not, um, I'm not overly concerned. I mean, sometimes I might just give it more space and say, you know what, you know, I'm down 2% now. If it falls another two or 3%, I'm just going to cut it and, and give it as much room as I can because, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, with the hopefully an infrastructure bill gets, gets passed, um, the market's firming up, and maybe, you know, this is a stock that's um, clearly ha fundamentally had a, a great result that the market recognized, and it just gave the whole thing back. So, you know, I'm trying to take advantage of people that may have said, oh, it's about to break out, and they're buying right. it at 26, and now they're in kind of deep trouble, right? Because mm -hmm. they're off, you know, 10 or 15%. Right. So I kind of try to take, that doesn't really sound very nice, but <laughs> I'm trying to-, to <laughs> let, me, let me have your shares. Uh, yeah, uh. I mean, that, that's kind of where I'm stepping in and saying, okay, well, you know what? If, if you can't handle the pain, I'm going to take it off your hands. So that's, that's in a way, the kind of the point of swing trading and, and, try to, and, and what I do. But I, again, I'm a little looser when it comes to actually executing on cutting the loss um, to, and sometimes to my detriment. But on this particular stock right now, if it closes below today's low, I would say it's not really acting the way it should. It right. should hold around here. And that's but not it, really it, giving up that much. No, uh, I mean, I'm, know, I, so. I'm not going to, unless it gaps down, it's not right. going to be, mm. it's not going to be too bad. And if it, sometimes you, you encounter these um, kind of intraday shakeouts, and I, I almost always will wait till the end of the day before I take action. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to wait until um, this actually closes below today's low, likely before I, 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 I cut a loss. But hopefully I won't have to. Hopefully the thing will, will start to move up. And I feel like I have my position. If the stock does start to move back up, I might buy a little bit more kind of incrementally, but not a lot. Gotcha. I really don't want to buy on strength. Right. Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of these precedents and how you've been handling some of your big growth names too. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. The Direction Hydrogen ETF offers exposure to the top 30 pure play hydrogen economy companies by largest market capitalization, leading the way towards net zero emissions by providing more accessible, efficient, sustainable solutions across five hydrogen-related sub-themes. With clean hydrogen-based energy expected to grow five times in the next 30 years, companies building hydrogen-related businesses to generate power, heating, transportation, and more will likely thrive. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Direction. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, along with two O'Neill portfolio managers from O'Neill Global Advisors. We've got Arusha Pierce, who joins me every week. And as our special guest, we have Charles Harris. So, Charles, we were talking a little bit about um, the, the whole idea of how you're handling some of the stock on weakness. Um, Arusha, do you got any ideas of some stocks we should talk about handling on the strength? Yeah, well, I, I think we probably should go to the the one that everyone wants to hear is Tesla. You know, this this is uh, obviously one of Charles's biggest winners this year. And Charles, let's get into how you've handled it this year and just walk walk us through some of the steps, just psychologically of what you were seeing, and especially how you kept holding when you were starting to put up some of the bigger gains. Uh, so. I've I mentioned this before uh, at various, um, either on IBD Live or at various workshops. I'm treating Tesla differently than I've really ever treated um, a, a huge winner because I have, I really have true conviction that I think this is going to be uh, a, a multi year move, uh, probably for the remainder of the decade. And I'm using. That's a lot Apple. of decade left. <laughs> yes, and, I, and I'm using Apple as a, as a precedent. And Apple is a stock that, let's say, started trading in 2004. And in 2004, 2005, you know, made a ton of money in Apple. And then I start, you know, and, it's, and it went through a number of bases. And I never really got back on board in a huge way where I, I really sustained a, a long-term hold, never took a long-term capital gain out of Apple. And as well as I did, um, you know, let's say the stock is up 70 fold or something in that time frame. And I certainly didn't make that kind of money on Apple. So mm-hmm. I, I think Tesla Tesla's actually acting a lot stronger than Apple. And I personally think has much more potential and much, you know, they have more levers there. They have um, more end markets that I think they can dominate that have a huge um, TAMS, total addressable market. And they are in the leadership position in many of them. So I, based on my experience with Apple, I am just so afraid of messing it up that I am really just trying to sit with my position. And I had a huge um, year last year, truly a huge year that, that, that really was even better than the late nineties in the internet bubble. So, which is hard to believe. <laughs> uh, it is hard to believe. Yeah. I never thought I, yeah. I'd ever be able to repeat that kind of performance. So I am not really trading Tesla that much. Um, I, it, it seems like whenever I sell it, it just goes higher. So, I mean, I have done a little bit of trimming into this, um, remarkable rally we've had in the last um, three or four weeks. But um, so far, what I've trimmed, I've bought back higher. So I'm just kind of kicking myself like, why are you trying to be so smart about it? The, the, the truth is, really, the whole, holy grail of trading is if you can really kind of do a pretty good job of pick, picking off the tops and buying the the, weak, the pullbacks, you your your results would be incomparable. No, no one could touch you. And I think I'm a decent swing trader, but truthfully, 
I have not been able to figure out where to where to time the tops. Uh, I'm not that great at it. I almost always sell too early on the way up. So I have taken a, some profits on the way up. I've tried. I've actually tried to recover most of what I've sold. I think all in all, I've sold maybe five percent of my position wow. into this rally. So I've kept most of my position. And I was listening to an interview, a really interesting interview on a, a podcast. Uh, actually, it's a YouTube channel. I think it's a podcast too. Dave Dave Lee on investing is what yeah, it's called. Excellent. And he's great. He just has amazing interviews. And he was interviewing the third largest individual holder of Tesla. And he's a you know, billionaire. He owns you know, millions and millions of shares. And he was commenting how uh, near the bottom of the uh, kind of COVID crash, he was nearly wiped out <clears throat> because he was on margin. Right. And he was like literally, you know, almost almost down to nothing. Wow. And that really scared the hell out of me because I have a monster position in Tesla <laughs> and I don't want a margin call if things, if something crazy unexpected happens. So I did take the opportunity to, um, to take some profits uh, into some of the strength. The stock has only gone higher, but, um, but I also had some, this is a, all with my personal account. Um, of course, I only talk about my personal, not, not the firm, but um, I, because I traded the stock very actively last year, I have some crazy cost basis stock because I keep r- running into the wash sale rule. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I have some very high price stock and I wanted to harvest those losses before year end. So that was kind of also my, um, you know, the reason why I, I wanted to take something off the, the table. One, just to raise a little bit of cash, so I have a little bit of room in case things go sour and to harvest my losses. So, mm-hmm. but, but by and large, you know, after my experience last year in Tesla, actively trading it the entire year, and paying half my gains to the government in, for taxes, <laughs> I really decided I'm only going for long-term capital gains if I can in the stock. So I'm, I'm pretty much hanging out with it. I, I'm, yeah. I, I have most of my position. It's been phenomenal and it's really enabled me to take a little bit more risk in some of these other areas and um, you know, maybe give some things a little bit more time that I might be down on, but have conviction in, mm-hmm. uh, because this stock is masking all of those kind of uh, losses. Right. Now, just 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 real quick, though, uh, to kind of get back to your Apple, you know, precedent in a way where you, you don't want to mess this one up like Apple. Now, I remember I remember you being an Apple and I remember uh, there was a point in time, I think it was in 2005, where Apple like for six months, didn't do anything. And you were like, you know, this took like three years off my life because you're, you're watching Apple not do anything. And you're just like, you've got this big outsized position. You were trying to kind of change your uh, methodology. You were trying to get a long-term uh, capital gain out of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it finally ended up getting to new highs, but you're like, man, that was just, you know, nerve wracking. So, um, I mean, Tesla just recently, I mean, it had a really long period of topped at 900 and didn't get back there until just recently. And that was in February. So it was a long time of uh, what you would normally call dead money. So how do you kind of, um, 
I guess, look at, you know, both of those sides and, you know, what, what, what's your, what's your conclusion here? You know, is, uh, is, is it better yeah. to have that dead money and just sit with it? Or, um, you know, what, what's, what's your strategy? I think that's a great question. And, and I've struggled with this now intensely for the past, you know, year and a half trying to figure out what is my, what is the best strategy for building wealth? Uh, and, and particularly in a, in a stock that you have real conviction in that you really believe has a multi-year um, path uh, of growth. <clears throat> I mean, I still swing trade all my other stocks and take short-term mm-hmm. capital gains, but this one I'm treating differently. And after that Apple experience that you mentioned in 2005, I promised myself I would never sit through a base again. In fact, I'm actually using the 2005 and 2006 corrections in Apple as a precedent for what just happened here Mm -hmm. uh, in Tesla. Um, The problem is, is if you sit through, if you, if you sell and try to get back in one, you might be, your money might be deployed in other areas and you might have to, you typically never recover what you had. That's Mm -hmm. just in my experience. Yeah. So there's that risk of getting out and not being able to get completely back in to the extent that you were because you know, no one wants to buy the stock at new highs. At least I don't. I, I prefer to buy it actually when it's kind of coming off different areas and, and turning. You know, I don't, I, I'm trying to buy a little bit earlier. So if I'm, you know, by the time it's going through 900, like I would have hoped I would have been back in much sooner than that. But, right. Um, but when you take into account the capital gains, um, you really have to have phenomenal um, timing in order to overcome the tax disadvantage, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in a stock like this. So I am really um, held through the entire thing. I did. I kept picking at it around the 200 day. I kept adding to my position. Um, I mean, I have a monster gain in the stock from 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 last year. I mean, I, I just did so well that even though by the end of the year, I had sold it in, in my margin account, but I, um, I came back in and I think we talked about this one once, Justin, that even when I was down on the stock, cause it looks the stock fell 40%, all those gains that I um, had accumulated in the prior year. I mean, I still consider that cushion in right. my account. It's still, yeah kind of part of my net worth. Mm-hmm. So even if I was down on Tesla, um, I, I just I just have so much conviction that this is going to continue to, to go higher in, in the coming years that um, I'm going to be really careful not to sell too much into strength. And if I do get these, you know, very dramatic pullbacks that Tesla seems to have from time to time, I'm going to, in fact, I already have put limit orders in, um, you know, one, 200 points lower than here. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to leave in there. And if they Mm -hmm. tick off, I'm going to buy it because again, I'm treating this one a little bit different than most other stocks. Mm -hmm. And what about uh, just to kind of back up a little bit on, you know, how you got into this? Because again, we we know now that it's a monster stock, but um, maybe you didn't know that at the beginning. So did you start this as an outsized position? Did you start it as a regular position and just add to it? Um, Did you let the, 
basically the capital appreciation increase this uh, position size for you? Um, how, how, how did you handle that? Okay, so um, Tesla was a stock that I, I, I traded very aggressively in 2013, 2014 timeframe, did really, really well in it. Mm -hmm. That was Tesla's first huge advance off of the long-term consolidation post-IPO. Um, and then it had basically five years of- and Maybe you could show the monthly uh, oh, yeah, on this, Arusha, just uh, so people can see that move. So yeah, I got involved in chart. 2013. <laughs> that, that was mm -hmm. my first big win in Tesla. And I was super bullish. And, and that was like, you know, it dominated my account. Um, I didn't expect it to pretty much go sideways for five years. And I got really chewed up during that time frame. Um, I lost a lot of money. I traded options. It, it was just my timing was terrible. Um, and I really lost conviction in it. But by the time it finally got started again in late 2019, I bought it and I just was like trading it like almost like it's short-term trading. Like it, it was moving up so quickly and I'd, I'd buy it, I'd sell it. I wasn't trading it like a stock I had conviction in. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, at, at the 2019 um, level four master's workshop, Jim Ropel, um, you know, we were talking about it and he, he said, watch this. Um, he sent me this thing from Tony Siba. Tony Siba is kind of a, a, kind of a futurist in a way and sees kind of long-term trends um, and uh, kind of um, disruptive technology is, is where he specializes. And I talked about this at a recent workshop that it was so compelling. In fact, it, I think everyone who's listening, if they haven't watched the Tony Sebas, S-E-B-A um, presentation, it's on YouTube on what is driving Tesla and all these technologies that are converging that are allowing this kind of S-curve adoption of EVs and solar and AI and all of these things are happening at the same time. And people will continue to underestimate how huge this growth is gonna be. So once I saw that, it, it's like the light bulb went off, it clicked. And I just wanted to get as much of Tesla as I could. Um, and thankfully it's, it's, been, it's been straight up pretty much. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I have just a tremendous conviction in it. And the, the thing is people love to hate on Tesla. It's really <laughs> kind of interesting that it seems like there's so many people that are negative on it. And whenever you listen to commentary you know, on right. CNBC or different analysts, people are always saying it's overvalued and how can they dominate and they're worth more than every other car company combined, which is true. But I will remember, recall that I made the same argument when Apple was moving up. Suddenly Apple had a market cap bigger than HP and Lenovo and IBM right, right. and Compact Computer and all of them. And I thought, well, how can that be? It doesn't make any sense. And yet now Apple's a $2.5 trillion company and many of those other companies are out of business. So, um, or have had to merge. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I've seen it happen firsthand. And, and I, I think the same thing is gonna happen with Tesla. So 
I just, I don't want to, I don't want to lose this one. So mm-hmm. it, it will, it's going, you know, over the next, let's just pretend it, it does play out over a 10 year period. It's going to have 30, 40, 50% corrections. I mean, if you, I, I've studied Apple very, very closely. And over the past um, 17 year move, beginning in 2004, there have been 10 corrections of 25% or greater. And I I can't recall exactly, but I think there are about three between 25 and 30, three between or three or five between 30 and 40, and um, and a few over 40%, uh, and one over 50% during the 2008, you know, uh, massive bear market. So Tesla's going to go through corrections, but I think that... um, it just has enormous potential in, in many categories. In some categories, we, we don't even know about yet. They haven't maybe even been invented. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just came out with, the fa- with their AI day and introduced uh, the fact that they're going to come out with robots. Right. No one's even talking about that yet. But don't you think like that's the future? <laughs> yeah. And they're probably leading it already. So... I don't know, man. I, I, I just don't want to mess it up. So the way I'm treating Tesla, that said, it because it, it dominates my portfolio and it's been working, it's giving me a ton of extra buy power. I'm yeah. not just continually adding to Tesla, though. Um, I will on pullbacks, but I'm using that extra buy power to, um, to buy some of these other stocks that... that in different categories, almost like a little diversifier, as you mentioned, Justin. So the Cleveland Cliffs, you know, I've been accumulating, you know, it's it's still small compared to Tesla, but it's something. Right. Um, I have a position in Palantir, uh, that's, that's you know, a decent size, but again, compared to Tesla, everything is small. Well, go ahead and hold on to some of those thoughts. And when we come back, we'll take a look at some more of the stocks that are on Charles' radar. So stay tuned for that. KLNE, the Direction Daily Global Clean Energy Bull 2X shares, seeks to achieve 200% of the daily performance of the S&P Global Clean Energy Index. The S&P Global Clean Energy Index provides exposure to companies from developed markets whose economic fortunes are tied to the global clean energy business. KLNE, allows traders to take a bold position in companies exposed to solar, wind, and other renewable energy sources. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Direction. It's Justin Nielsen, your host here, along with two O'Neill Global Advisor Portfolio Managers, my good buddy every week, Arusha Paris, and my good buddy from long ago, so even before you, Arusha, uh, Charles Harris, uh, Portfolio Manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. So um, a lot of great stuff on Tesla. Let's talk a little bit more about some of these other areas that you're looking into. Um, and certainly one of the things I've noticed and I've been talking about is, man, when I go to the beach here, uh, Huntington Beach or Seal Beach, um, man, the, the, the line of shipping containers is... Um, is, is big. I mean, I, I, I can, I can just see them all out there. Um, I took a flight and, you know, went out of orange County, John Wayne, and I counted, you know, from, from my window seat, you know, 67, you know, that I was able to count just from the air, uh, looking at these shipping containers. So I hope you're on the window seat, Justin. I I was, yeah. Otherwise that would have been awkward, you know, like, (laughs) Hey guy, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's good that you have your mask on, but can you get your mouth off of mine? 
Uh, so anyway, why don't you talk a little bit about um, this precedent that you're using with some of the shippers? And here again, you've been buying some of these on weakness. Um, uh, again, very, you know, very different from what a lot of our buy points would normally be. So Charles, maybe you can share a little bit of how you're handling some of these uh, shipping shipping stocks. Yeah, so it's, I, I, I hate to, I don't wanna um, kind of steer anyone wrong or too contrary to, to our system. So this is a little bit of a different play for me. I, I've talked in the past about my conviction in, in the shipping, particularly dry bulk shipping. Uh, and if, I guess pull up Starbulk, uh, SBLK. And um, so this has been a huge winner for me this year. It's, it's continued to be. And um, I was using the, the precedent, um, kind of a technical precedent of the GOGL, which we can go to in a moment. But um, so on Starbulk, you know, I, I've been trading it. And again, similar to Cleveland Cliffs, it's not this type of stock typically is not going to um, hold at the 50 day and, and you know, trade is, is, is a nice and uptrend and pattern as, as a growth stock. So uh, I'm already aware of that. I already know kind of what to expect because I've seen former, um, you know, when, when these stocks are in favor, I've seen how they act and, and they never act in a, a nice, easy way. So I'm kind mm -hmm. of prepared for that and I'm, I'm expecting it. So last time I was on, Starbulk had fallen down, you know, that three-day kind of crash down to 20. Yeah, right at the beginning of September. Yeah, and, and I, I was buying it um, pretty aggressively kind of coming into that um, based and on And I that, was calling it, hey, look at this failed breakout. Like if you, if you yeah. bought at the breakout, like you got to get out of this. But then Charles comes on and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm buying this at the 50 day. He's like, yeah. I'll take that off of you. Well, right, it, exactly. It, but I mean, it, I mean, it worked. So, I mean, it, it, but it, it could, you know, maybe it wouldn't have worked, you know, like I, yeah, I've just been kind of trading this one well and it's been working, but I also sold it on, as it was moving back up. Right. So, I mean, I certainly didn't top ticket, but let's just say I averaged somewhere around 24 on the way out, you know, on the way up. And, and as it started to come back in, because my precedent indicated that it was gonna come back into the 50 day. So um, after I sold Starbulk, um, I pivoted into a different one. I, I went into GOGL, which, which you showed. And, all of the shippers, dry bulk shippers, pretty much are acting the same. This one's actually acting a little bit, well, you can see. I mean, it's, it's worse than, um, than Starbulk in terms of the price performance. Um, but this is the one that my precedent is based on. So, um, so before we go to the precedent, the reason why the shipping stocks, and particularly the dry bulk shippers, have gotten hammered so badly is the Baltic Dry Index, which was up maybe 75% in a, in a couple of months, has literally fallen about 45% mm -hmm. in the last three weeks. If you, yeah, this, so this is an ETF. Yeah, BDRY uses, is the ETF, yeah. uh, break wave dry, dry bulk ship is yeah. the ETF. And you can see that the move was extreme on the way up. It, it, th this doesn't perfectly mimic the dry bulk index, but for now, you know, it's a, it's a decent, it's decent to kind of see what's been going on. And you know the thing's down fifty percent in uh, you know three weeks, and so um, 
basically shipping rates have, have come in a lot. And the reason for that is from basically 15 year highs and they were massively, like all of these shipping stocks are gonna be massively profitable in, Q, in, in Q3, which you know, should be reported in, in the next few weeks. Um, they're gonna make a lot of money. They're gonna probably raise their dividends, maybe do buybacks, pay off debt. Uh, I mentioned in, in Starbuck, I've, I've received very significant dividends uh, this year. And I'm not, a, I don't buy stocks for dividends, but hey, you know, <laughs> you're not, not gonna say no. <laughs> if they're giving them away, then, then great. But uh, in any event, the, 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 it's a, this is an extremely volatile index. And as fast as it went up, it came down. And I think this is quite excessive. And I, I would not expect it to go much lower. I mean, the last time I've seen a break like this was uh, late 2007, um, when the shipping stocks had their massive move and then all crashed, uh, you know, for, you know, over a decade. Um, I think this is overdone. And, and it, the reason is one, it's kind of seasonal. This is usually kind of a, a slower time in shipping. And China has been limiting um, uh, because of their, the issues in their housing market and so forth. They've been limiting um, kind of iron ore uh, for steel production. So, uh, and of course, you know, China's a big, uh, you know, really drives shipping rates in many ways. They're such a big importer. So, um, so dry bulk, you know, dry bulk shippers ship grain, they ship kind of fertilizers, they ship iron ore, they ship coal. Those are the four main um, products that, that go on these ships. And iron ore has been out of favor and prices have been coming down um, because the, the demand for, the, for, for that has, has been going down. But coal, on the other hand, has been going up. And you know that coal competes with natural gas. And we know that natural gas prices are very, very high right now. So coal levels are um, kind of uh, low. And so certain areas of the, um, uh, of certain freight prices have actually held up pretty well and others have gotten hurt. But uh, I'm still constructive to be honest on, on the shipping stocks and I've been uh, in fact, I, I initiated a pretty big position in Starbulk. I went back into it yesterday on the 200 day. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I'm not hating the price action right now, man. I'm already mm -hmm. up five or 6% on the position. And, um, but the GOGL, I'm, I'm actually down uh, almost 9% on. Um, but I also like the fact that we got finally got support today. And, and to get support, on a day where the BDRY was down 8%, you know, yeah. um, you may not have expected that. And all of them, if you pull up maybe DSX, um, that, you know, they all kind of, this was all supporting action the past couple of days. So Justin, go back to GOGL and do a change date to 2005. And I got to give Arusha credit. He's the one that's usually man oh. in the ship, if okay, you will, uh, awesome. on that. So I don't so, want to take credit for all his hard work. <laughs> so thanks. Um, I've kind of changed my president a little bit, um, which 
normally I'd say is a, not a good sign to change your president mid-move. Mid but originally, if you look at that peak at 36. Okay, over there. Yeah, I thought that first break uh, in, in the current Starbuck, that was that break, that three-day oh, break. Oh, yeah, was look that, at that. And then it bounced up, and then yeah. it tested the 50-day again and went to new highs. That was what I was expecting to happen, and that's why I started to inch into the GOGL. Well, now I think I was just off, and now I think that break, actually, it looks much more similar on the chart, was that 39.25 peak. Okay. That three-day break yeah. was that. You had your bounce up, and then and you then had that break all the way down exactly to the 200-day. You'll notice that that's about a 28, 29% yep. correction, mm -hmm. which is exactly the correction of the current stock. Wow. So I don't know. Look, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it, you can just say, well, this is this doesn't mean anything. This is the past. But, I don't but Charles, know, somehow, how, I think, how, yeah. how do you find <laughs> precedents like this? And I think that's always been a question that I've had because you always have found a way to find a, a interesting example or interesting precedent for some of the key stocks that you are in. How, how, how did you go through and, and find this and say, you know what, this one, this part makes sense here. Well, for, for this one, I, um, because I had a fundamental, I have a fundamental view and conviction in the dry bulk shipping recovery. Mm -hmm. And it, it is in a massive recovery after, again, uh, 10 years, since, 12 years. Since 2000, it's just really, you know, uh, like a 13 year, you know. Right, right. Correct. Where these stocks went from. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe just show real quick DSX, just show that on the um, monthly. on the monthly, just to kind of no, give people a. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I was I was looking at a, oh, a different a different chart. I oh, know if you do. No, if you do a change date back to current, oh, you'll, you'll see DSX. We, we yeah. were on. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Will, and yeah, here's Starbuck on a monthly so, chart. Yeah. yeah. And these stocks literally fell 99% plus. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and I played them on the way up in 2007, 2008. So, oh, I remember. <laughs> um, so, I was, I've been kind of waiting for a turnaround at some point. And we definitely are in the midst of a massive fundamental turnaround in these stocks that they're making lots of money. They're paying off debt. They're in, very good financial shape. Their PE ratios are, you know, three to five. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're making that much money, you you know, the amount of money you're making is is going to be you know almost equal to the market cap of the company. So I mean, it's right. <laughs> they're they're. I, I feel like they're not way overbought in any way, uh, as as far as this on a fundamental basis, but. Um, if you look at that, again, that GOGL, you know, we came off the 200 day and, um, and seven weeks later we were at new highs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm positioned for that to happen. And I, I have pretty big exposure to, um, God, I'm afraid to even say it. it's probably some guy going to target me now, but, <laughs> um, but I have a pretty, I'll show big, you. <laughs> I have a large position and because my profits in Starbuck, just because I, I, I got in on the 200 day, I have already offset um, a good portion of my losses on the GOGL site. So I don't have, you know, it's not like I have a huge loss. And again, I've got 
a lot of exposure in other areas that we normally play in that's, that's been working for me. And of course, Tesla. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape, but I'm, I'm hoping that um, this plays out the same way. And, and uh, you know, these stocks are going to report their dividends uh, in the next few weeks. And I think they're going to move up. I mean, that's, that's how I'm playing it. And as bad as it, the charts look, um, I'm expecting the 200 day to be an area of support. That makes sense. And uh, again, one of the things that I really appreciate about some of the work that you do is you have made these kind of um, industry uh, analysis, fundamental analysis on the industry. I remember uh, not too long ago, you're, you're, the home builders, well, I guess it is yeah. long ago now. That was over 10 years ago, I guess, at this wow. point. 2011, yeah. exactly. Two th- yeah. Years ago is <laughs> yeah. when is when that recovery began. Right. right. Well, uh, yeah. So and that was uh, a big plan. I'm kind of as actually this is the completely based on that um, that housing recovery was about a two year recovery uh, before they they stopped you know before they really played out and so I'm kind of treating the shipping is a, a current type of thing. Did, and, did we did we answer the question though? How, how do you find these? Because oh, Arusha uh, asked, I think, a very good question. So, we got off track a little bit. So See, I, I want to make sure we get the answer to this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. In particular, with this one specifically, because the dry bulk index has had such a massive run off the lows, mm-hmm. um, I looked. I went back at the history of the dry bulk index and looked for periods where the, it had a similar type massive move in that time frame and it brought me back to this time frame of 2005 2006 okay. mm-hmm. so once i did that i went back to see well were there any shippers that are still in our database that were trading in that time mm-hmm. uh GOGL was actually the only one that i found that actually start, was was trading in that time i guess there are other ones went out of business or merged so i looked to see how GOGL acted during that massive run and that's my president. So that's mm-hmm. how I found that's this awesome. one. That's excellent. I do yeah. also have um, kind of notebooks of, of precedents and, and runs that, you know, when you've been trading a long time and it's all you do all day is look at charts, you just kind of have a, I have a terrible memory for pretty much everything else, but I have yep. a good memory Catalog. for charts. And a lot of and, times- And just so I'm people just, understand, when you say notebooks, what you really mean is binders. Binders. I want people to get the picture, you know, the, your office has like binders <laughs> filled with these, um, yes. you know, the, these, these papers marked up exactly as you have where you're, you know, counting days sometimes counting. That's, like, the... that's exactly what I'm doing. In fact, mm-hmm. here's, this is GOGL. This is what I did. This is when I, I kind of didn't adjust it yet, but you can see, I, I wrote on there president for SBLK. Mm-hmm. Oh. I put on the the amount of the move off the, the low. Um, this is what I do. I have binders full of binders these. filled with those. And, yes. um, and I, I have them categorized into different types, you know, pullbacks to the 50 to pullbacks to the 200 mm-hmm. day kind of breakout shakeouts and what happened um, gap ups. I mean, I have all these kind of technical precedents and particularly the ones that you've traded and made money on, those just stay imprinted on your mind. So in a sense, I might have hundreds and hundreds of precedents, but I keep coming back to the same 20 because those are the ones that are always on top of mind. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and that's what I do. And I think you have to be a little bit careful though, because the precedent is not a guarantee. 
You have to know um, when it's no longer following yes, the precedent. And, and I will say that probably my biggest winners and where I really killed it in the market were due to, to precedents. And some of my biggest losses are also due to precedents because I did not um, pay attention to the fact that they no longer were working. And there's no reason why they have to work. So, yeah. you know, you kind of use it as a way to gauge your expectations. And once your expectations are broken, you have to start to move away. So, and um, that gets back to that whole flexibility idea yeah. that we talked yeah. about. Yeah. So, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, Charles, I really want to thank you for coming on and sharing some of your experiences with your winners and the things that you have on your radar. Um, it was uh, really great having you on and always a pleasure talking to you. And just a reminder for folks, uh, you will be on IBD Live on Friday morning. It's always a good, uh, a good thing to be watching Charles uh, during the market hours. And we okay. talk about you know, what's on his radar and uh, what he's seeing at the moment and get a lot of great analysis. So if you haven't uh, joined us before, maybe go to investors.com slash IBD Live because it is a great time. So thanks again, Charles, for coming on. And next week, we are going to have Scott Bennett on the show. Uh, he's returning. This is someone that uh, Arusha, you had on before, yeah. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be the great. Pre -Justin to, <laughs> the pre-Justin years. The pre-Justin years. It's going to be great to catch up with him. He's the founder of investwithrules.com. So I uh, hope you join us for that. And thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.